0: And Hazel South and uh, they're requesting prayer for them uh, Jane and Bobby Purdue also they have medical issues so let's be remembering them in prayer and then let's remember Ralph Gamble this is Regina Mock's neighbor has a mass on his bladder and will have surgery to remove and be sent for analysis on December the 8th so that's from Regina Mock so let's remember that one in prayer so we're going to open up this evening in a word of prayer Uh, I'm going to ask Ben. Ben, can you just stand? You can hold that baby, all right? Just hold him up and just open us up in a word of prayer this evening. Thanks, Ben. all the announcements that are in there. A couple of them that are important this week is Discovery Club takes a break, so don't forget about that, but youth group still happens, 6:30 to 8:30. And that also means though, that we also have the 33 men series will be 6:45. They'll meet downstairs uh, in Basil's classroom. so don't forget that. And uh, Wednesday Night prayer meeting. Hey, Rick, how are you? Hi. 7:15. Okay. All right. So you got an extra half hour to eat your dinner and then get over here on uh, Tuesday night. There you go. Wednesday night is our midweek service. Don't forget that. And cantata, don't forget, directly after will be cantata practice. And we praise the Lord for that. All right. If we could have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. Amen. TJ, would you ask the blessing on the offer? Thank you.
1: i know it is true it satisfies my lord long- last verse come on up I love to tell the
2: joins in unity to sing to him majestic symphony
0: been walking the same old road for miles and miles you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside there's a better life there's a better life if you've got Ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know that just ain't right. And there's a better life, there's a better life.
2: He's a chain break.
0: do something this evening and uh daryl just pick another song uh, whatever you whatever you feel like you want to do but this evening we were doing cantata practice and we were going through all the stuff and and uh the lord just was really laying on my heart and i know you probably heard this a hundred million times he was just laying on my heart the people that would be at the cantata that don't ever come to church right you know that right and uh, but you know, in my heart and in my mind, there was specific people that I knew will probably come. Right? They're going to have a, a friend or a relative or, or whatever in the cantata, and people in our church are praying for those loved ones, those friends, and those relatives, and they're praying and they're asking God to move, and they're going to come to that. They're going to come. And uh, we want to do a, a good performance and all of those things, but the biggest thing about it is we need the presence of God on that meet, on that whole thing. And uh, God has blessed us with amazing opportunities throughout the year of outreach at our church. And Christmas time is one of those times where people will come to services that they you know, they, they're they not going to come with you on a Sunday morning, but they'll come to a Christmas cantata. They'll come to a Easter cantata. They'll send their kids to VBS and then find themselves on closing ceremony, being here. And those things are really, really important. And I just, maybe there's somebody on your heart and uh, we're going to sing a song, whatever Daryl says, we're going to sing, but maybe you want to get around the altar and Pray for that loved one. And that's what this time is for. It's not about anything else. It's just about praying for the cantata. Praying for that loved one that will be here. That God will use it. Because we have no idea what God will use. It's so amazing, isn't it? We think we've got the perfect words or the right thing to say. But they could come in and it could be a a simple song. Or it could be a, a small thing that God uses to just pull on their heart like never before. And you and I both know that... We say those things over and over again. Pray for the God. But you know what? You need to get somebody on your heart so that God will break your heart about that person that you're praying for. Because that's when this whole Christian thing starts to be real different. When you personally met the Savior, amen? Yeah, when He personally met you and He became your personal Savior, and now it needs to be personal about somebody that you want to see get saved and you want the gospel to impact their life. So, Daryl, whatever we're going to sing, this is an opportunity. And I know, but it's just a kind of a call tonight to let's pray for this cantata and what God will do in it. Man, well, it is as we've already discussed this morning. It's Christmas time, and so turn with me to Matthew, chapter number one. Matthew chapter number one, and I got a couple of Christmas sermons that I want to preach throughout the Christmas season. Taking a break from the Book of Acts on Sunday mornings, and then praise the Lord on uh, Wednesday nights. We just finished the Book of Romans, and uh, somebody asked me the other day, "Well, where are you going to go next?" And uh, I said, I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Amen. But uh, no, I've actually got quite a few things that the Lord's putting on my heart for that. But tonight we're going to focus in on a few things about Christmas and uh, just make, uh, just get some uh, ideas. Basically, what I want to do is take a look at some of the prophecies. It's something that's been done many times, but maybe just in a, I don't know, every time we look at them, we're going to find new things. We're going to see things that, that touch our heart, and I want to do that. And I wanted to start here in Matthew chapter number 1, and I wanted to read verse number 16. If you would stand with me this evening as we read Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 16. And the Bible says, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to open up your word tonight, to preach from your word, and to just consider the things that are just so important to us. Dear Lord, we enjoy meditating on the birth of our Lord and Savior. We enjoy meditating on what it means that God has come to dwell with us, Dear God, we have just been in awe as we've uh, studied these scriptures and looked at them. And dear Lord, what is true and what is amazing is we talk about it all the time and Jesus fulfilled every prophecy. Well, it's because he is the Messiah. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the savior of the world. And so dear God, we are just thankful that we can Keep proclaiming that and help us this Christmas season, dear God, to preach Jesus wherever we go. In Christ's wonderful name we pray, amen. All right, as I've been going through the book of Acts, really what kind of brought my heart and my mind to doing this this Christmas season is as I kept going through the book of Acts, I would see how the disciples had a very specific pattern in how they presented the gospel in a new town. And when they would go to a new town, you're pretty familiar with it because I've already been preaching through the book of Acts. But the first place that they would go is to the synagogue and they would share with those people in the synagogue, how that this man, Jesus is the Messiah. That would be their mode of preaching it. And what is wonderful, when you read throughout those scriptures, you'll see that they will bring to those people and they'll say, look, you need to look at the Old Testament scriptures and they will prove to you that this man, Jesus, whom you crucified and whom you put to death, that God has raised him from the dead and he is indeed the Messiah. And if you remember in the book of Acts, the Bible says that that the church at Bree, that they were more noble than the others because they actually studied the scriptures and found those things to be true themselves. Remember that? And so they said, we're hearing what you're saying. We studied the scriptures and they're right. Jesus has been spoken of in the Old Testament. Then I was reading about Apollos there in in the book of Acts And Apollos was studied and Apollos was learned and he was versed in the Old Testament. And I saw that how even with Apollos, he was preaching and he was teaching these things with great authority from the Old Testament. And the Bible says that they came along with him, Aquila and Priscilla, and they showed him a better way in the scripture about how Jesus was the Messiah. And that was absolutely beautiful. And I thought, wouldn't it have been marvelous for an Old Testament uh, Jew who understands the scriptures and understands the, the promises of the Messiah for his eyes to be open and his heart to be melted as he sees the word of God coming to life in front of him as this man, Jesus Christ. And every prophecy that had been spoken of, that he had studied, he could see it true in Jesus Christ. That had to absolutely excite them down to their core. They had to be overwhelmed with joy as they realized, you know what? It's true. It's absolutely true. This is man jesus as a matter of fact we already see that right at the end of the book of matthew when we see that jesus walks with those men and he shares with them and what is the bible said that he expounded all the scriptures showing them how jesus was the christ and later on the bible says that those men said didn't our hearts burn within us as he expounded the scriptures and we realized this man, Jesus, is the Christ. It excited them. Man, I believe that there's things about the word of God, things about what he's doing in our life that ought to excite us. And that just led me to say, let's go back and let's take a look at the the prophecies that are being fulfilled. What might it meant to maybe uh, uh, in the the light of a Jewish uh, uh, person, or what does it mean in light for us? And How can it be encouraging for us? So I started here right at the very beginning. And here we are at Matthew chapter one, verse number 16. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back and verse number one, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. We understand that we are gonna get a genealogy. All of it then is very prophetic in its nature in that Jesus Christ is born of the house and the lineage of David. He also is born out of the seed of Abraham. And that's an important word that we understand where he came from. And so we see the prophecies unfolding right from the very beginning that he is of the proper lineage that he fulfills that prophecy. But that's not exactly what I wanna look at this uh, evening. I kinda even wanna go further back than that because the Bible says in verse number 16, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. We're pretty familiar when we read a genealogy that we're gonna read as we find out in verse number two, if we went back and Abraham begot Isaac and Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot Judas and his brethren and Judas begot Pharis. That typically as we read through a genealogy, we're gonna get the list of men. In the genealogy we're pretty familiar with that you'll notice that as we go through the genealogy in Matthew chapter number one that there's three women who are mentioned in it they're all amazing women and they're women that could be studied and I'm not going to necessarily talk about all of them there is definitely deep things in that as well things that are absolutely beautiful that are for another time but I want us to point our attention to verse number 16 because as Matthew here, the writer of this gospel, mentions Mary. He is also bringing us to the fact that there is prophecy that is being fulfilled in the very birth of Jesus Christ. And that birth is that he is of the seed of a woman. He is of the seed of a woman. And we understand this all the way back from Genesis chapter number 3. So let's turn all the way back. Might be a long time, but that's the very first book of the Bible. There you go. I'm helping you out tonight. Genesis chapter number three, and we're going to go down to verse number 15. You're probably somewhat familiar with this, and I sure hope that you are. Okay? Genesis chapter number three, verse number, excuse me. Yeah, we can read verse number 15. That'll work. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed. And her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel this is the very first time that we get a mention that we get an idea from the scriptures of what God is kind of up to this is the first time that we see the promise of the Messiah given to us this is it right from the very beginning and there's a lot of wonder and a lot of beauty about this and uh, like I said, I got some very specific things that I want to talk about here in just a moment. But I do want us to understand this, that isn't it amazing that God, being God that he is and the God that loves us, and I, there's so many things that I want to talk about, but I gotta, I'm trying to put these in, the, in my own frame of mind for you. But the mystery of Jesus Christ, listen at how simply and listen at how subtly it is being revealed to us. Imagine if you didn't have all of the Bible. Imagine if you didn't have all of the things that you know about it and everything that's going on. And you're Adam and Eve and you've failed God and you've let God down. You're understanding the full weight of that consequence for the very first time. And as a matter of fact, the weight of the consequence is very real to you because God has killed an animal in front of you. Something that you've never seen happen before. You've never seen anything die. And now God has said that this thing that you have done has caused this to happen. A sacrifice needs to be made. He clothes you with the skins of that animal, but also in that time, he says, listen, hey, serpent, hey, devil, you are going to bruise the heel of her seed, but her seed is going to bruise your head. Yeah, we say amen, right? Because we know what it's all about. But you would have to say, what in the world is he talking about? What in the world does he mean? What What in the world is taking place? And it's because the mystery of Jesus Christ, the mystery of God's revelation to man, the mystery of God has been unfolding itself and unfolding itself down through the Old Testament, down through time immemorial. But now at this time, Mary, a little girl out of Nazareth, is going to give birth to this one Jesus Christ. And there's a whole bunch of people standing around that said, that's the seed that will bruise his head. And they saw it, and the mystery was revealed. Boy, I'm praying this Christmas season. That's why this was on my heart. That for somebody, that the mystery will open itself up to them. That all of the things that seem to have bothered them about Christianity and and brought scales and weights and uh, and burdens to their mind about church and Christianity and religion and all of that garbage, that the mystery will be opened up to them and they will see Jesus. Because see, they don't really... We know, understand, don't get me wrong. They don't really need their religion. They don't really need, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. The mystery will be revealed to them and it will be opened up. And this is what we see in this very first prophecy of Jesus Christ. It's so vague in nature, is it not? It's so just out in the, I mean, how could anyone predict? But yet, in the fullness of time, amen? A little girl there in Bethlehem would give birth to the Savior of the world. And there were those that recognized. I like I said, I keep thinking about Apollos for some reason in the New Testament. I I feel like for some reason his knowledge of the scriptures was so vast and he probably had to think, Oh, did he ever bruise the head of Satan? He has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He has crushed his head. And he saw all those. So I want to look at, just real quick, three things I'll be done tonight, and I promise they're very quick. They do not have a lot in them. Number one, what I want us to notice about this, and right out of chapter number uh, three of the book of Genesis, is that from the very beginning, I I love this passage of Scripture for quite a, a number of reasons, but if you read it, and if you read it, you know, kind of slowly to it, you'll find that throughout the whole thing, there is absolutely nothing that caught God by surprise. Amen? And what it tells me right from the very beginning is that God had a plan. He had a plan. God knew what he was doing. As a matter of fact, not only that, when he comes and he starts calling for Adam, he doesn't call for Adam because he doesn't know where Adam is, right? You understand, we get that, don't we? We've heard so many messages about that. It's not that he's like, oh, no, I've lost Adam. What are we going to do? It's like, no, Adam, you need to recognize that for the first time, there's something between us. There's a distance. And God sets it up right from the very beginning. And he just starts taking care of business, doesn't he? And he goes, listen, because of this, listen, man, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to toil by the sweat of your brow. There's going to be a different response to everything in this life. And it's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to work. But that work will have reward. And that work will have joy. That work will show you and lead you to an understanding of even what Jesus Christ himself will do for you. Because it wasn't easy what Christ did for us. Amen. But man, I'm thankful that he did the work amen goes right there. I'm thankful that God set out and he had a plan. And right from the beginning, he showed it. And then he said to the woman, listen, it's going to be through the travail of birth that you're going to bring forth children. It's going to be through this hardship that you bring forth these children. And isn't it amazing? And again, it reveals to us that the greatest uh, horrors and the greatest trials of life, And the greatest difficulties are often the things that bring into our life the greatest joy. And he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him, that there would be new life in Jesus Christ. And then he says to the serpent that you'll crawl on your belly and all of those things. He had a plan. He had a plan right from the very beginning. Number two, I'm going to move quickly because this one might take a little bit longer and it's kind of where I want to put a little bit of my time. The other thing about this that I notice about this passage of scripture that he says, I will put enmity between the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. There's something interesting that I find when we look at this. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter number one. Okay? Go back with me to Genesis chapter number one. And let's take a look into verse number 10. Verse number 10. I kept rattling that word around, seed, in my mind, thinking about the fact that Mary gives birth to this child. His seed was of the Holy Ghost, and that's what he was born of. But I want you to remember, and this stuck in my mind, and I don't know why, I guess it's the Lord. But if we go back to verse number 10 of Genesis chapter number one, watch this. And God called the dry land earth, and you remember God is creating the heavens and the earth, and we believe in this literally. We've been doing some preaching on that, and it's good preaching, amen. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Now watch this. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. "...the herb-yielding seed, and the fruit, tree-yielding fruit, after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb-yielding seed after his kind, and the tree-yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning." or the third day. Now, we get a principle from this that we're not, that's super common to us, right? We understand this. That whatever seed we plant into the ground, that whatever it is, that's what we get, right? It yields after its kind. Amen. We might not think that's a big deal, but if you ever listen to Ken Ham very much, Ken Ham is very big on this right here. He specifically goes back to the fact of the animals and how when the animals were there, again, the same thing. They yielded of their kind. And he points out to the evolutionist how important that is because never do we ever find a time where they jump from one kind to another kind. It doesn't happen. And the Bible is being amazingly specific in the Bible about this absolutely base fact truth, that whatever that seed is, that that is what you are going to get later on. It always gives of its kind. Kind for kind. And so we go back here and we see here it is that it's the grass, it yields forth grass of its kind. If you put it in the ground, that's what you're going to get. If you plant an apple seed, hopefully if you tend it right, you get everything, you will get an apple tree and eventually the fruit of it, will be the apples. No matter what this world tries to tell us about that, that is the truth and that is reality. It's not gonna change. It's always going to be that way. We are gonna have that understanding. God has placed it right from the very beginning inside of itself that these will bring of the same kind. And here's why that becomes so important to us. That because after Adam sinned in the garden and sin entered into his life and perfection was lost, then all of the kind after him, all of his seed bore in it the mark and the stain of the sin that Adam bore. That kind bore seed of its kind. It's just the way that it was. There's no breaking it. It doesn't matter. And Paul goes through it so much that we already looked at in the book of Romans that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. If you put into the flesh, you're going to get the flesh. And unfortunately, we were sown in sin in our parents and we were born in sin by our parents. That seed of sin has been in us from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve. But, but, Correct, right? Here comes Jesus. Born of a woman, but his seed was of the Holy Ghost. He was born of spirit. He was born of divinity. And he said, oh man, think about all those verses that are going through there. And and uh, And the angel comes and tells Mary and says, don't be afraid. And then he tells Joseph, don't be afraid for what God has done. This, this child that is within her is of the Holy Ghost it is of divine seed and when he was born of divinity he was broken for us Amen. man I, I just think that it's so amazing when we follow that out and look at it he was broken for us he was placed in the ground he rose up the third day and now anyone who once can be born again of new seed, of divine seed. What a prophecy that's being revealed to us. When we wandered in our our aimlessness and when we wandered in our sin and when we were just without hope of anything, that guess what? Somebody told us about Jesus. And a divine seed was planted in our hearts This is what I'm talking about this Christmas season. Boy, I want this divine seed to be planted into hearts, that they would receive it and that God would do a miraculous work. It's a miracle every time that it happens. And then lastly, so seed brings forth of its kind. Seed brings forth of its kind. And then number three, without a doubt, there's no way around this. And this is simple. I really know it is, but I felt like the Lord had it. Seed is hope. Seed is hope. From the very simplest of things, of the child that plants the tomato plant, you know, in the sunbox in their window, when they put that in there, they're hoping, right? To see it grow and watch a tomato come from it. It is absolutely, without a doubt, the essence of what hope is. And God. And his wonderful foreknowledge and the beauty that he is allows us to experience small things of hope all the way, like I could say to the farmer that goes out and is looking with hope and with with joy at what God will bring him of a harvest at the end of the year. We also go out and are planting these seeds and God has showed us a little bit of what it means to hope and to rejoice in that hope. And now we are looking for the greatest harvest that we could ever reap and that is a harvest of souls look into the fields they're white into harvest Jesus wasn't talking about the literal fields was he no he said I'm looking for fishers of men I'm looking for someone that will go out and with hope plant the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ So I got two questions for you as I finish here we see our amazing prophecy fulfilled God had a plan Seed brings forth of its kind, and seed is hope. Let me ask you this evening, what kind of seed are you? Is the divinity of God living inside of you? Is eternal life yours to claim? And let me ask you this, do you have hope? Let me ask it to you in a real specific way. Do you have hope when you share the gospel with someone? That he will give an increase? Remember what he said, that if we'll have faith but the size of a mustard, he would remove mountains. Let's pray full of faith and full of hope this Christmas season for those that we long to see that God would let that seed do something great in their heart and in their life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl, come around. Get us a song of invitations. Dear Heavenly Father, it has been good to be in your house today. We're thankful for the word of God. We're thankful for its power and we pray that you'd use it in our hearts and life. Dear God, as we think about those men who heard for the first time the prophecies of Jesus Christ and as they stacked them up with Jesus and their heart had to be filled with joy and wonder, dear God, help us to maintain that same joy and wonder. As we speak of how the divine came, made his place in our life and as we share the gospel with those that need it. Dear God, we love you. We love your book. We pray that you'd use it. In in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand in.
2: When I see the sunrise in the morning when I